0: Welcome to episode 899 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, March 2nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir.
1: Good How morning you? to you. Uh, I am still recovering a little bit from live streaming for around, I don't know, 23 hours over the course of the last three days.
0: Hey, yeah, and you, know, you mentioned the last three days because you did Potapalooza, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Great work. Watched a bunch of it. Then... Yesterday, you did a little uh, a little debrief of day one of the TGFBI, mm-hmm. which I watched a little bit of as well. So great work. You have been uh, a live streaming god lately. Um, are you getting yourself a, a break? Are you breathing today?
1: Uh, I mean, yes and no. I still have a ton of work to do. I've got to turn you know, the almost 19 hours of Potapalooza into 45 minute podcasts
0: into pods yeah pods of palooza now
1: yeah so if you want to catch those you can do that by uh subscribing to the tgfbi feed and i'm not going to say which one but in one of those feeds or in one of those episodes that'll be on there uh, i do comp tristan mckenzie to you
0: oh i heard about that and i said you know what that's great because i do the same i think schwebzy must have been on it or Mm -hmm. was watching it right yeah because um and i love the the world's colliding i know schwebzy via twitch like that's how i know him because he was in my twitch stream he became a viewer very cool guy and cool and then i think um he applied for picture list yeah and and that's how you know you got into the industry that way. So I, I just kind of love that that connect connection of the world from like my only Twitch world to my only baseball world. Boom! Now they're now they're linked. So we were hooping later that night, and he's like, "Hey, you know, you were uh, you were comped to Tristan McKenzie today on Potiparusa." I was like, "Hey, that's a great. That's I love that one." And then I I did the whole you know Chris Sale, Carl Overshooter, Tristan McKenzie, uh, Taylor Swift, and a stop sign. Those are my body comps. I know, I know, I know my body, and and I'm and I'm here for it, and uh, yeah, I will have to listen to that one. So you will have to point that one out to me. No, I'm gonna I'll make definitely... you
1: go listen to all of them.
0: That's gonna be difficult, but you know what? I I think challenge accepted. How about that?
1: Yeah, How about I mean, that. If you're gonna watch one, that uh, if you're gonna watch a video version of one, and those are still available on my YouTube, uh, you gotta go go back and watch the Mike Curland one. Okay, I believe is one of the. It's either the first or second episode of the the first or second day. So, it's... well,
0: and there is a schedule out there that people yeah. could find to kind of navigate their way through it if they are looking for something specific. Yeah, if you don't and, just want and to I'll, and I'll kind put... of second screen it and watch the whole thing, which is probably what I'll end up doing. You could go through and find what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, but Mike Curland changed his background photo like every oh, I know few minutes.
0: Oh. I saw one of them. Yeah, wasn't one of them the picture of you and Alex?
1: Yeah, picture of me and Alex. Picture of me in the bathing suit. <laughs> um, there are a few others. The picture of uh, Eno murdering me. I freaking uh,
0: love this community, dude.
1: So it was. I mean, no joke. Like I, like I kind of don't want to post that one in audio form because there is a good ten minute stretch of us just laughing uncontrollably.
0: Yeah, it it, it won't seem to work off uh, audio only, right?
1: Yeah, but uh, you know it'll still be there.
0: <laughs> Love it, but yeah, great work, man. It was awesome. It was awesome coming on. It was awesome watching. Uh, as I was telling Schwabz, you know when he when we weren't talking about it on my stream, coming off the PitchCon weekend, so PitchCon, Potipulu's a back to back weekends. That is the way to finish February. Yeah, like that was so perfect to then dive into March as you know we really kick into overdrive. You know, for you and I. We never really stopped with baseball, but then we understand that different parts of the community come in at different times with that football crush right after the Super Bowl being a big one. But then even that, you know, February is still kind of like, okay. there's a lot of diehards in there and some of the mid-tier and casual folks. But then once March turns, everybody's back in. It's complete overdrive. It's complete madness. And I cannot wait. And you know what else? what uh, was in the lead up to Potapalooza was the kickoff of TGFBI. I mentioned that that was your live stream last night was a breakdown of day one of TGFBI. So let's talk a little bit about where we're at so far and some takeaways from day one. If you have any general takeaways, uh, we'll get and then we'll get into some little news and notes from spring training. And then we'll get back into our closer talk that we started last week. Uh, first things first, we'll go selfishly about our two drafts. Let's start with yours. Where are you picking? Who you got? And uh, and you know what? What kind of pace is your draft moving at?
1: Uh, the pace of my draft would have been lapped by a turtle. <laughs> um, it has been super super slow, uh, and like you know, I'm I try not to be a clock shamer, but at the same time, it's like you're so excited for something like TGFBI to happen, and then it's like you see like my wife's draft is, is like almost six rounds. Blazing! Like, yeah. She made
0: five picks yesterday. Yeah,
1: which she is like freaking out about because she's like, I need the time to look at things, and <laughs> this league's moving so damn fast.
0: y'all should be, y'all should have switched leagues. She would have had more time to uh, develop, you know, overanalyze her picks in your league, whereas in the one she's in, they're, they're speed racing, ready, you know, trying to get to her pick mm-hmm. as quickly as possible.
1: So yeah, we're uh, we're in the middle of the third round. Uh, I'm picking eighth. I I I took Trey Turner first. Uh, wrapped around in the middle of the second round, took Aaron Nola. And I am on deck right now with Anthony Rendon queued up, hoping that he does not go right before me. If he does, it'll be uh, George Springer on my team. So. Okay,
0: so that, that's, that's perfect there. Like those two hitters, um, and that's a great start for you. You love the eight pick. you got Turner and, and your ace. Now you're going to get another premium bat. I think you're starting off very well here. And, uh, you know, hopefully. Today, you guys uh, maybe beat the pace and go three, four whole rounds instead of uh, meandering a little bit. <laughs> my but like wife said, is going to not...
1: be done before I get to the 10th round.
0: <laughs> you guys aren't even the slowest league. You mentioned there's one that's no. a little bit slower. So yeah, You the... know, it's day one, though. Let's see if people pick up the pace. Um, i had had a little thing where I wasn't at my desk at the very beginning of the draft. And so someone kind of gave me a little business. And it was friendly business. It, it, I was not angry and i I don't believe this this gentleman was either but i said uh you know you running me up after you know before pick one is even in the books does make me want to use the clock entirely for every single pick that i have please breathe (laughs)
1: and like and i've said this a few times like You know, it's a slow draft for a reason, and it's a four-hour clock for a reason because we do have international players, right? So we got Mm. we've got at least one person in Australia, I think a person in Argentina, and then and a handful of people in England. And then you know, but like other people spread out around the
0: world as well. And like, then the three different time zones that we, or yeah. four different, sorry, mountain time zone. You're barely a time zone, for real.
1: <laughs> so yeah, and then a few people, I think in China, it's so, like it's like it's an international contest now, and so like doing a one or two hour clock would just be unfair uh, for people. Uh, so like you never really know, you know. People are communicating in their league, so people know a little bit, and uh, but there's no like. There's no advantage to finishing first. Exactly.
0: Know? And I get that everyone wants to play and everything. And there are there are um, times when it seems like somebody's slowing it down and a little annoying where it's like, hey, man, you made a pick super quick. You were up three picks later and they came up very quickly. Where are you for that second pick?
1: We, right? had, we had a guy who on the wheel last night, the one two or the two three turn um make his pick or take three hours to make his first pick and then didn't make his second pick and the clock was stopped he didn't make it till this morning and like i was super frustrated by that the tough scene right there but like he also like he came in he's like hey guys i'm really sorry because my wife is like like pregnant and like almost due and she's like i need like a spa day and so he's like i you know and i was like you know what that's a pretty really fair, good excuse. You pretty know. strong
0: excuse there, right? Yeah. yeah. Like well, that, okay, that
1: one. <laughs> that one. You know, I, I've had a you know pregnant wife before, and I pretty much do whatever she tells me to at that point. Not that I don't already.
0: I was going to uh, say even non-pregnant Danielle's got you uh, on lock here. Yeah. So, as she should. She's killing it in her draft, by the way. Oh, dude, it's so. I'm not patronizing her or anything. I I'm legit. Like, in fact, I think objectively you couldn't really roast her draft. You might no. have a few quibbles about who some of you know, you might've taken this player over this player, but overall she started Cole. So arguably best pitcher in the game. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, um, she had Merrifield. Who's the other two hitters? Machado, Merrifield. Machado, Merrifield and then, um, Hater. there's one more hitter. Hater. Hater and Who's the Grisham. her Grisham. Grisham. Grisham was who I couldn't think of. So yeah. So she got power speed with Merrifield, Machado, Grisham, Best best starter, best reliever possible. Uh, Possibly could be the number one for either of those. I would have taken Hendricks, and he was available. Mm -hmm. But that's more of a nitpick than like, oh my god, you blundered. Yeah. So you know, I know she's agonizing about it over there. And and one thing I will say, I love that she's learning a little bit about why we go over the top on this and we get so into it. Um, You were saying, hey, you kind of give her a little bit of business, like. Now you know now you know mm-hmm. why why I spend all yep. this time and go crazy on it because she was bugging out on those five picks, but she's absolutely killing it and uh, i'm I'm really excited to see how her i how her draft goes and kind of read her draft recap every day um on Twitter because I know she's like really really, really doing this seriously, and mm-hmm. it's paying off because I mean those first five rounds, like you really can't you really can't get much better than that.
1: no, I mean, she's doing a great job, which pisses me off because. Like I, you know, I haven't been able to live down my my initial main event, um, you know, and how badly that went. The Injury event, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> That's good. I like
1: that. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, I if she beats me in TGFBI, like I could finish oh, second done. overall, and if she yeah. finishes first, you're done. I'm done. You know, it's it, it doesn't matter. Like I was saying last night on the live stream, I could win the the NFBC main event overall this year and lose to your in TGFBI and the only thing people will remember is that my wife beat me in TGFBI. Mhm. Yep. So it's uh it's a it's a real no no win situation for me.
0: And we love it that way because it puts you in a precarious position and it's hilarious to the rest of us. So um I had the number one pick. We are three picks. I got three picks done yesterday and I went bets Bogarts Kershaw. Um, I feel pretty good. We will talk a little bit about Bogarts in the shoulder uh, as we get into little news and notes there. Obviously, I don't have any grave concerns, so, you can probably guess what the news is gonna be. But I feel good. I like Betts, Bogart's Kershaw here. Yes, I know that Tatis Jr., Acuna Jr., Soto, uh, I would say even Trout and then either DeGrom or Cole could go number one along with Betts. And I feel like you just kind of wake up one day and have your pick. I, I don't I'm not Betts number one every single time. If I was mm-hmm. blessed enough to get number one pick multiple times, um I think I would mix it up a little bit. But I just I just love him, man. He's he's so unbelievably Awesome. Uh, He's on the best team in baseball and, you know, he's still in the midst of his prime. He does all five categories. So I felt good about taking bets there. What do you, what do you think of my trio to start?
1: I love it. I mean, uh, you know, bets this, I mean, the reason I want to pick eight this year is because I feel like I can get an elite player, but if I'm picking one, like, I think you can make an argument for eight different guys. So, Mm -hmm. and I have said all along, like I'm not going to beat up anybody for taking any one of those eight guys. Uh, at the top. So, like, Betts is, you know, about as safe as you can get, right? And you're going to get all five categories from him, like I said, on one of the best teams in baseball. Uh, And, like, the floor is just insanely high. So, I mean, I think there is an argument to take him over guys like Tatis, you know, or uh, Acuna, who they might have more home runs or more stolen bases, but you can't tell me their batting average is any safer or their injury risk is any safer than Betts. So, Uh, love that. Bogarts. We'll talk about that one a little bit more here in a sec, but, um, I love Bogarts and he's one of those guys. Yeah. We'll get to that more, but I love Bogarts. I am not as worried about his shoulders, maybe other people. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Kershaw, Kershaw. you know, it depends on who you pair him with. I love Kershaw and someone on the live stream last night. Oh, I think it was Nick Pollock um, jumped on for a little bit. And, uh, and okay. was, t- was talking about Kershaw, because he took, took Kershaw in his draft. And he, one of the things he was saying is, you know, typically one of the concerns with Kershaw is, how many innings are you going to get out of him? Well, with that question now for everybody, it kind of lessens that gap between him and the other elite pitchers.
0: Hey, that's my take. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with that.
1: It's not something I had really thought about uh, nope. previously, but it makes a lot of sense. Now, there's also the chance you get 100 and... 15 innings if the back flares up or something like that so you definitely want to Sure, that's a risk yeah you definitely want to pair him with volume and stuff like that but like i mean you can't you can't argue the skills and like nick said last night on live stream like he was he actually got better in some ways last year it's
0: unbelievable it's unbelievable how good kershaw is and that's why i took him flaherty and snell were the next two starters um and i and i have kershaw Firmly ranked ahead of them, you know. Gallen Bueller went right before that Bogarts pick, and I would have taken either of them over Kershaw. And I got to be honest, if they'd been available, I might have gone one of them and Kershaw. I might have gone double pitcher there. But since Bueller and Gallen literally went the two picks before me, I decided to go Bogey and then get Kersh, and uh, and now I wait for my fourth pick, which is still about uh, eight nine picks away. But uh, you know, TG man, it's 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 kicking off. You're gonna see a lot of it on your timeline. I know it'll annoy some folks. You can just mute it if you yeah, want. Just like just mute TG It's really, yeah, it's not the end of the world. I I, I kind of like it. I like reading people's thought processes and everything. So I'm I'm here for it with the analysis. And then we'll have you know we'll have people that are worried about the the time it's taking in their league and everything. I get it. It's part of the territory, but. uh I'm just glad to be drafting kind of like with the community, you know, that kind of the, the nation, the, the community wide event. And it, it's it's exciting for sure.
1: Yeah, it is. And if if you want to go check out a little bit of the early ADP, uh, I, I posted that on Fangraphs this morning uh, with links to all the live draft boards. As well as a link to uh our, our boy Smada's uh doc that he does. Excellent. Doc, that is by the way. Absolutely fantastic. Uh and is a much or is a must uh you know, bookmark uh, to see. It just is so cool what he does. Um like that was
0: he like add stuff to it every year. Every right? year there's you something know? new. It, yeah. It just makes it better yeah, year over year. So that's fantastic as well. Uh, you know, We'll keep updating on our teams at the beginning of episodes uh, until drafts are done. So for you know, a week or so, hopefully it doesn't take too crazy long, but uh, great work again with the TGFBI and the setup and the satellites and everything, the excitement around it is very cool. So well done to you, Justin, and well done to you on Potapalooza. The money that was raised was awesome. It's nearly $8,000, right?
1: It went over $8,000 oh, afterwards. So uh, And a shout out to uh, Mike Masado um, who can be kind of a troll on Twitter, and uh, but he donated $1,000.
0: Wow. He's, he's definitely one of those people that if you only know him on Twitter, you probably mm-hmm. don't like him, and I understand it. But I've met him, and because I, I feel like I would be that way. I'd be like, I don't like this guy if mm-hmm. I only knew him. But I've met him in real life. He's a really generous, kind guy, and I know that sounds crazy to some people, <laughs> but I promise you he really is, and uh, that's awesome that he did that. And he's a real fun guy. He loves doing this stuff. And I think, you know, I don't know if he's a WWE fan, but he seems to want to have that kind of WWE persona in fantasy. Yeah,
1: he is the heel. like he. Yeah, he, he and, wants and to frankly, be.
0: I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it because, again, if you know the guy too, you know that he's not a piece of garbage. He's a really nice guy and and fun. And if you ever, once we kind of get back to being able to have live events and everything and you get to meet him, you'll see that he's a good dude. So that's awesome that you did that great work. You and Nick combined basically with pot and PitchCon, what you guys were able to do, not only for the community with the content, but also with the, with the donations that you got for the specific charities was just brilliantly well done. So good work there, Justin. Very proud of you. Thanks. Now let's talk some news. Let's do it. And uh, the Bogarts won his second. So we'll talk first about Matt Chapman. He's back in camp and playing, but he's playing DH a little bit. And I got to say, even though it's only DH right now, I'm a little encouraged by this news because, you know, with the surgery, I was a little nervous about where he'd be on on the uh, on the scale to return. So the fact that he's already here taking at bats, uh, I see that as encouraging. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's playing. Right. So that's uh, that's a really good sign. You know, would love to see him in the field and everything and maybe us yes, a few extra days off at the beginning of the season. But Ultimately, if he's playing now, there's no reason to think unless there is some aggravation of the injury that he's not going to be playing one, you know, a month from now. So,
0: yeah, it's it's looking like it's precautionary right now, just to have him in the DH role for about a week or so, and then they're expecting him to get back out on the field um, after that. You know, he had labrum surgery in his hip, and so that's a big deal, especially for somebody who's out there defensively, really, really busting their butt. And so hopefully there are no setbacks or anything. I love Matt Chapman as a player, just watching him. But I also like him as a fantasy player too. And I, I believe that, uh, I believe we haven't seen the best of him. So that's that's why I'm really hoping that he's healthy from like a selfish standpoint of of enjoying his fantasy production. I think he can, uh, you know, the easiest comp has been the one that I've been on the whole time with the uh, w- with Josh Donaldson. It just fits so well. Now, hopefully he doesn't fit it. Too well and start to be injured a little bit more here the way uh, the way Donaldson was in the latter portion but uh, thus far it it fits very well which means Matt Chapman's owed to an MVP at some point right
1: I mean but, I think but only he... after
0: he leaves Oakland he has to get traded <laughs> in a surprise fleecing of a deal and then win mvp somewhere
1: poor poor oakland a fans i just i feel for you guys Um, you know and
0: that one was just so brutal among all of them among all the trades of of moving guys out but yeah with chapman do you think it can be like a full season 275 hitter with the power because we saw 278 with 24 homers in 2018 but then we saw 36 homers only with a 249. So can you balance the two, or is it kind of a trade-off of where the average is just going to be kind of mediocre, but the power can be massive? Where, where do you come out with uh, as far as where Chapman can develop at age 28?
1: I think he's probably a guy that is likely kind of like a 30-plus guy with 250 to 260. Um, like, I, That's I'm, really good. I'm thrown yeah. out last year. Like I'm completely thrown out last year as a person who has torn the labrum in his hip. Uh, previously, uh, it is w- like no joke. When when I did when I was dealing with that injury, uh, there would be times where I would just be standing somewhere and all of a sudden, you know, have a shooting pain in my hip and I would fall over and I couldn't walk. Oh. Like wow. wow. Like, it That's once happened to me outside while I was, like, raking leaves. And I so, literally had to crawl inside. Uh, why didn't
0: you post a 117 WRC plus and 10 homers with it? Because he still did that even while I, dealing with that pain. You don't know that I didn't. You know what? Touche, good sir. Too freaking shay. I mean,
1: I definitely you, did not play all-star caliber defense.
0: <laughs> true, Because I've
1: never done that. Um, so, but, I mean, I, I, I still, you know. I you know I had a better walk rate than him.
0: That's well yeah he only had five percent walk rate strikeout. That's what you mean by throwing it out because the plate skills were a mess. Thirty six percent strikeouts, five yeah. percent walks, but the power was still there. So that was encouraging. Yeah, I'm not I'm not caring too much of twenty for Chapman if he's healthy and we will continue to progress monitor him throughout spring. I am paying for, you know, two forty five with thirty plus homers and you know, maybe mm-hmm. he gets that first one hundred RBI season. I think but he's I love one him. of
1: those guys too, like that I tend to really love, especially in standalone leagues, you know, so without an overall, uh because I can punt batting average and take mm-hmm. him. And if he has some Babip luck, he all of a sudden he's hitting two seventy and with, you know, with the thirty plus home runs and you know hundred runs. And-
0: Oh, and that plays remarkably well. You know, the craziness too is I, I consider myself a Chapman fan, and yet the depth of third base has it to where I, I only have him 13th. Oh wait, yeah. hang on. That's uh, never mind. That's from last year. Hang on, I haven't updated my third base uh, rankings on the website there. So uh, no, I have I'm lower. I'm 14th. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> but that's just that's just the depth. But there's a lot of multi-positional guys there with Lemayhew, Muncie, Edmond. Biggio and McNeil ahead of him, but so in you know in terms of if you're putting them in other positions, he he looks more like a top ten guy. But yeah, I think he's just he's just kind of that steady power guy that you know what you're getting out of Matt Chapman as long as he's healthy and he's looking like it so far, you can feel comfortable with him. But let's talk Bogarts. Uh, the shoulder MRI came back said nothing concerning. He's supposed to take thirty swings today. Um, what was it off a T? tee? Hang on, let me get that note. Yeah, thirty swings off a tee today. Uh, as he kind of kind of kind of comes back from this, like I said, th- that was the quote was from Boston was quote unquote nothing concerning in the MRI. Do you have concerns though?
1: Mm, I mean, a tiny bit of concerns, and I'm like right now, toying with the idea of putting him in my queue above spring. <laughs>
0: Should- shoulders can be worrisome, but I can, you know, yeah. I can, I'm kind of taking, I'm kind of taking the. Uh, I'm kind of taking the news at face value and saying, you know what, I, I don't see a huge issue here. I'm not too worried about it, so that's it, that's where I'm at with it.
1: It's kind of what I what I was saying last night when kind of the news was, you know, everybody was kind of uh, speculating on on what what it could mean. Was like I wasn't necessarily lowering him on my board, but it was a tiebreaker. So like, but that's like, fair. Typically, I would take Bogarts over Endone. But they're so close together. I just kind of swapped them. But I'm not moving him down like th- two or three spots in my shortstop ranks. Um, and you know what? I'm gonna put him. I'm gonna put him above Springer. If if uh, if Rendon gets taken, I'll, I'll take Bogarts. Even though I already Let's have go. a shortstop. Um, so let's go I Actually, like it. i'm double. talking myself into it and then i'm talking myself out of it no <laughs> no
0: do it do it do it double double short stops uh, like i did when i took story and Mondesi. yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean and because the thing about i love shortstop i love how deep it is but it's really only deep at the top like
0: and yeah so. but it's loaded with that superstar potential toward the point where i'm like hey and that's what i was thinking when i did the the story mondacy in that draft that we, we were doing i was like I'm going for it. This is a little unorthodox, but I think that it's 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 such a good combo. I, I had to talk myself
1: it. out of doing story Mondesi in in TGFBI. Um, that would have been that would have been hot. It would have been would've crazy been though, and like it honestly, if Danielle wasn't in TGFBI and I have to beat her, I might have done it. Because, <laughs> you might have gone
0: a little bit more risky, yeah, I feel you, just I feel for it. the
1: hell of it, and you know, try to like try to pop on that, but. I, I came to my senses and said, "Nola." Um, but there like, you
0: go. If you're going, if you're competing against Justin, you know he's leaning a little bit chalkier. I am in a, order, in a, order to beat his wife. Not so, so you, much you can...
1: chalkier, but definitely risk averse. Like I, I definitely, and this is something I'm really incorporating to all my drafts this year. Is you know we saw it last year with 2020 is COVID wrecked havoc right on seasons. And yep. COVID hasn't gone away, as we saw a bunch of players test positive coming into camp. Yeah, Um, And so uh, I'm I'm definitely trying my best to be very risk-averse because we have no idea how, you know, workload ramp-ups, guys are going to get hurt. Uh, COVID, guys are going to miss time. And I just don't want to be in the position where I've already got risky guys and all of a sudden I lose my non-risky guys and now all I have is risky guys. So Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm being very, very careful in all my drafts this year. And as I say that, I
0: move George Springer back above Sander Bogart. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much you're uh, you're toying with yourself back and forth. I, I'm gonna we'll play see. this for
1: my wife and be like, "See here, this is like you think you're racking your brain uh, and being, you know, ha- having anxiety over your picks. Like, uh, this is my 17th draft this year, and I'm I'm doing the exact same
0: thing." Yeah, and you're you're still in between picks. That's just kind of that's just kind of how it goes. And uh, we may get your pick live here on stream, by the way, mm-hmm. because you are on on deck. Yeah, so. just
1: waiting for Adam Sloat of pitcher list to to make his pick. I don't know. He maybe sleeping in. He's a
0: young guy. It could absolutely come in. Uh, speaking of hips, by the way, uh, Jesse Winker has has a little bit of a hip himself, but again, quote from the team: no serious concerns. How do you feel about that? You moving him down at all? You sticking with him? Where do you come out on uh, where do you come out on Jesse Winker right now?
1: I'm not super concerned yet. But again, this this comes down to roster construction too, when you're at that point in the draft. You know, how much risk have you already taken? You know, some of this stuff is um, you know, and some of the stuff we'll be talking over the next couple weeks is we've had no news for so long that any news makes us want to jump, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, but you have to be careful on that, or else you'll you'll make some bad decisions.
1: You know, Winker's one of those guys too, though that like I wasn't like I I was somewhat interested in, but um, like he's not necessarily a target for me, so he just continues to not be a target for me. If he drops you know, tremendously in a draft because of this, okay, then maybe I start getting, you know, I'll I'll take the you know a huge discount or something like that. But uh, I mean. I'm guessing we're going to have some news. I mean, he's currently going 208 in online championship drafts since, uh, you know, in, in the last month. Um, so it, we're talking about a guy like you're not investing a ton of draft capital in. He does have, you know, a decent amount of upside if he can carve out a full-time role in Cincinnati. I think there's still questions about whether or not he's going to platoon, um, whether the power uh, gains we've seen at times can, can stick for a whole season. Uh, but I I don't think um, I'm not like shying away from him or necessarily, but he's also not a guy that I've got like highlighted or circled on my, my draft sheets.
0: Yeah. I I lean closer to the ladder there where I am keeping a close eye out on Winker to get him Um, this, you know, we, we don't know, but I think this maybe could be the year where he gets, maybe not the full time, just, you know, ink him into the lineup every single day for Winker, but to where he gets a little bit more against lefties and, He's still just 2070s, but we've had this conversation for so long now uh, with Winker, it feels like. But he's still, you know, in that age range where there's there can be improvements. It was the shortened season, but he was good against lefties last year. And I wonder if that's going to build some uh, encouragement for the team to kind of want to give him a shot against them. He was dreadful the year before, though, so that tells you how. How those tiny samples can vacillate, because he had 50 plate appearances against lefties in 2019, put up a hot 4.43 OPS, and uh, unsurprisingly a 189 BABIP, and then this year or 20, uh, he had 41 plate appearances against them, 890 OPS, 368 BABIP. So the BABIP seems to be driving it there because it's such a small sample. Um, I take him as a full, as a uh, strong side platoon though. Too, I think there'll be enough production there atop that lineup for Winker that you can take him there. And since there's no real concerns with the hip, I'm not really moving him down. He's not cost prohibitive either. So even with no drop from this news, you can still afford to take on Winker, in my opinion. You so, know what I me like more
1: comfortable with Winker it's is a- if there was a DH in the National League.
0: Yes, there would. Where where are you at on that, by the way? Still, We're now on March second. I still feel like it's going to happen. What's your what's your uh, percentage? I'm
1: definitely closer to fifty fifty than I was, probably fifty five forty five. To the to the yes that it's going to happen. Okay. Um, somebody made the point, and I wish I remember who it was uh, on Potapalooza. Uh, that it's you who made it now <laughs> Ha, steal it. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry, I can't. I can't attribute it to you. Uh, but they they put together the expanded Plo season last year the day before the start of the Correct. season. Correct. So like I like I don't think the fact that we're a month away from the season is. The you know reason why it's not going to happen, you know, but that's you, a
0: big that's a substantial change in personnel. It's a little bit different.
1: But a lot of the teams have been acting like it's going to happen,
0: right? We've True. The
1: Mets, the Padres, uh, you know, act like and that's that's
0: two contending teams, and of course, you know, the Dodgers would have no problem with it. Yeah. Like those top teams are ready, and they've got somebody that and they even could a team put in. Like that...
1: The Pirates, like you know, sign Todd Frazier to a minor league deal. The Rockies brought in CJ Cron. Like there are teams that are acting like there's gonna be another spot. Um mm-hmm. so I think it's I hope you're right. I think I it's gonna right. get worked out. Uh I do hope I'm right, because I've been acting like I've been drafting <laughs> like uh that's gonna happen. So, you know, if it doesn't RP my Dom Smith shares, uh that's gonna that's gonna
0: oh, hurt. Oh, I, I think yeah.
1: he'll play a fair amount, but I don't think he'll be like full, full time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it, I think it'll get worked out one way or another. I, I, the the players want it. Um, the owners want the expanded playoffs. I just think they've got to figure out the money aspect of the expanded playoffs before they
0: do it. Yep. I think that's fair. And so, you know, uh, fingers crossed. But I'm I'm much lower than you on the percentage that it's happening now at this point. But uh, again, this is one where I'm like actually desperately rooting against myself. I want to be wrong on this because I, I, want, I want there to be a freaking DH in the National League. It's, it's All right, just uh,
1: like me. I'm actively rooting against you too.
0: <laughs> well played, well played. Now, before we get into the closers, I want to play just a little quick game with you, okay? Just a little, a little fast game here. And it's gonna be uh, which reclamation project would you draft in a DC, and you can't answer neither. Okay, <laughs> I'm shutting that off immediately because I know you. That, that would be the very answer. Well, and I know that'd be the answer, and I'm not accepting that answer. That is a that's an invalid answer, good sir. So you have to pick, and one of them's on your favorite team, by the way. So you know that, and and you're still you would still say neither. So that tells folks kind of where you're at on these guys, but. Again, I'm forcing you. Between Scott Casimir, who recently inked a deal with, with their Giants. That's the one that's with your with your crew there. And Shelby Miller, who's on the Cubs and pitched yesterday. Um, I th- And it's in a D.C., you know, 50 rounds. Yeah, uh, we're not, talking I'm not like asking you to do online championship. Yeah, we're or talking like 40 round. Yeah, quite literally one of your last two or three picks.
1: Yeah, NL reserve pick, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I'm gonna go Shelby Miller. Okay. Uh, for no other reason that he is 30 years old and Scott Cashmere is 74 years old.
0: <laughs> Cashmere been out. This is his second, like, you know, rise from the dead reclamation. Mm-hmm. And, and he probably should have done it in Arizona, right? Cause they're playing Phoenix. Get it. Anyway, stupid joke. Moving on. Um, yeah, but. And he was out for like four years in this most recent one, right? Yeah, so literally was, how old is he? Is he thirty seven? He's thirty-seven. Um he
1: just turned thirty-seven at the beginning of the year. Miller is uh is thirty. Uh, I mean, if you ask me who I'd want to see succeed,
0: um that changes to your favorite teams player, right?
1: Well, it is my favorite teams player, but it's it has nothing to do with it being on my favorite team. I just love oh, okay. Scott Cashmere.
0: He, he's he was so easy to root for and because it was he was on those raised teams when they weren't all that he was kind of like the the raised beacon there and you know they 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 fleeced uh they fleeced the Mets for him and so people enjoyed that aspect of it it was like David stealing from Goliath uh when they traded what was it Victor Zambrano for him so I I get that I've I'm a long-time Shelby Miller fan, so he's he's my pick in all aspects, both who I want to see succeed and who I would consider drafting. He got a clean inning yesterday. Well, and pardon me, he got a scoreless inning yesterday. He didn't allow two hits, but had a strikeout. I think injuries are the main reason behind his failures, not the only one. He's had issues where you know he wasn't pitching well enough, things like that. I'm not. I don't want to su- suggest that um, that's all it was. But it was a major, major part of his downfall there was the fact that health constantly eluded him. And so I think if there's even a modicum of health this year, I don't know if he breaks the rotation necessarily. He might just be a, a nice bullpen piece for them, but I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Shelby Miller, and I'm just gonna say that like you know, if he's healthy and, and pitching at or near his best, then Trevor Williams is not keeping Shelby Miller out of the rotation, but that's we're, we're a long way from that. We, he has to have a whole good spring and everything, and kind of show that he deserves a roster spot and all that. But I'm rooting for him.
1: I'm I'm rooting that's, for him too. That's where I'm at. If only so that way I can hear the rant from Bogman and the Welsh that oh they traded Dansby Swanson for him, and he was you know awful.
0: <laughs> there I in thought, Arizona, they, ad- they adore, they adore Shelby Miller. Yeah,
1: and so like if he came back and somehow turned himself into like even just like a top sixty starting pitcher, the rant I think would oh they melt. They they yeah. would just be unbelievably good, uh, and that alone would be the reason why I would want Shelby Miller to be good again. I would, I would
0: absolutely love that. Um, because I love those guys and their rants are amazing. So yeah, that's that's a great reason to be <laughs> to be rooting for Shelby Miller. Like you said, he is 30. Um, you know we're, we're a long way out from from any measure of production. He wasn't terrible performance wise in 2017, but it was 22 innings. The last time he kind of put up a season of quality was that really interesting 2015 that he had where he had a 302 era and a 125 whip. But he was 6-17. and 17. Uh, That was that Braves team that gave him, like, no support. 67-95. That was the year before he was traded. So that's uh, that's probably a triggering year for Bogman and the Welsh. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, Tout Wars. Yeah.
1: A lot of our friends got into Tout Wars this that's year. Right. And- that's right. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to clap on the podcast because I think that can be annoying to people's ears. But, <laughs> you know, um, standing ovation golf clap for the Tout the Wars board, adding another league, adding a, a, a bunch of people in the industry, including our friends Bubba Enterkin and mm-hmm. uh, Toby Batflip Crazy, Erica Cross, um, Matt Williams, like a bunch of people in the industry that we we like uh and of support. our best buds yeah yeah and so like i love to see uh you know tau ors expand like that so they can bring in the next crop of really really good players and mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm super happy for bogman and the welsh and super happy for all those guys you mentioned even even eric cross who we
0: we beat yesterday in the podcast bracket Sorry, we had to do it. My dumb ass actually tweeted out that it was the first round, though, because I'm very stupid, and yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I have a small brain, and so it happens. And then um, Matt Williams probably messaged me. You know, it's not the first round. He's like, that's kind of a low key, high key dig at your first round. I was like, it was not intended for that. It, it's uh, do not.
1: We were against on the wire uh, in the first round, um, and they uh, they had recorded three episodes in total prior to facing off against stuff and i've been on one of those i was on their fourth episode with danielle should definitely go listen to it it's got kevin Hastings, uh who won the tgfbi overall it's one Mm -hmm. of the new picture list pods uh and adam howe who's a good player in his own right um but like you know know, we miss things sometimes i missed all the play-in rounds
0: hey and it happens sometimes so you know i just i'm an idiot it was not a dig at all I would not do that. I'm not a piece of garbage. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying. Well, I'm enjoying. You, you well, can't okay. a, a piece of garbage. I'm, not a garbage. I'm not a piece of garbage for that reason. Mm-hmm. How about that? Okay. Let's, yes. let's just say that. Yeah, anyway, let's... I meant no disrespect. I ended up deleting it because I was just embarrassed. <laughs> and we'd already won. So I was like, okay, I'm a moron. Anyway, moving forward, let's talk some closers. Probably only going to get to the AL Central today since we had TGFBI I want to get into and, and, and news and notes, um, and I do have a hard-ish out. Uh, you know that uh, that trip that Jen and I have been having to take to the grocery store, we're finally getting that done today.
1: Oh, no, let's record so, for three hours, that way you can't no, do it again. <laughs>
0: no, no, I won't blame you. That's no, okay, you, you Dan- Danielle so much needs trouble.
1: me to, to be off, you know, at, at a decent time so she can focus on... Drafting her team.
0: On her picks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll get we'll get to the central here. So let's talk central closers. Um and we'll go in again, alphabetical order of the, the teams in the division, AL Central here. So let's start with my number one guy, and I believe your number one closer as well. Right. Liam Hendricks for the White Sox. This was an awesome pickup by them. You know, they're really putting the finishing touches on a you know championship caliber type of team. And I think I think they have a lot of good bullpen already to where if they hadn't done this, I don't think they would have been, you know, way behind the curve. Like I, the Aaron Bummer, Garrett Crochet, Cody Hoyer, Evan Marshall, Matt Foster, uh, Michael Kobeck's going to start in the bullpen. Like they have a lot of good bullpen arms, but to add a premium closer, the best in the league, in, my, in our opinion, is such a great move. And I, I it kind of came out of nowhere and I was like, this is actually perfect. And so I love this here. I think this is a great fit. I think he's going to be a monster. He's been arguably the best reliever in baseball the last two years, and I think with uh, the home run issues that that haters had, and the fact that he has, you know, a brilliantly capable righty behind him, if issues should crop up that they can turn to, is why I have Hendricks number one. In addition to his own quality of work, and so that's where I'm at there. Um, I think he can save forty five games with this team maybe maybe even like 50 if if things really pop off like that's the kind of season that uh that Hendricks can have at age 32 he's added that velo his strikeout rate has taken off he doesn't walk anybody he's a badass give me your thoughts on Liam Hendricks
1: I mean I don't know what more needs to be said so uh, I do think he is the the best closer Mm -hmm. in the game and the Mm -hmm. safest one I think while I like Hader a lot I think you can look at kind of some of the numbers he put up the last couple of years and, and, and kind of nitpick and go, oh maybe, maybe, you know, uh, a cliff is coming or maybe they decide to use Devin Williams more in the ninth or, or, you know, kind of split the save opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that Hendricks is just the guy, like he's, he's the guy in, in Chicago. And we assume Lewis is going to be an old school manager and just go with the guy that they're paying in uh, in the ninth and not, like, play around and, you know, bring him in in the seventh or something like that in in tough situations. Uh, I mean, I I agree. I think he is probably about as safe as you can get. You're going to have to pay for it. I mean, he's going, like, fourth round. Yeah. Uh, But I don't have a problem doing that because, as we'll talk through all these bullpens over the next, you know, two weeks probably, uh, it's a nightmare, you know, and we're going to talk about some nightmare situations with this division
0: and i was down to take the premium relievers when we had a a solid group of them so i'm definitely down to get them to get one of them when when things are are sparse like this and when there isn't a lot of reliability now i know you could go the other way and say well you know if only a couple teams are going to get a truly solid one, then then you'll play in the middle. And that's fine. In some leagues, I will do that. Or I or I have, like, Jose LeClerc, Rafael Montero, and Joaquin Soria or something. But I do kind of lean toward wanting one of those top five or six because there's not that many lockdowns. And if I can get Hendrix, I will pay that premium. You know, Danielle had the choice uh, between hater and Hendrix and she went hater. And again, I don't begrudge that. I personally go... Hendricks but I do think that they're close enough to where you're not bagging the other pick no and it's yeah. not just because it's Danielle. I think because you can easily defend both sides
1: yeah I mean Hader has had seasons recently where he's just been an absolute monster because on top of being the closer he also has the ability to go two plus innings at times so
0: and, and and get eight billion strikeouts yeah, so
1: I, I don't have a like if you have Hader above Hendricks I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat you up I think the safer pick of the two is Hendricks, uh, and they both have elite upside, obviously. Uh, so that's why I tend to lean Hendricks. But I mean, Hader, I've taken Hader in drafts. I just typically, when I take Hader, I also feel kind of compelled a little bit to take Williams. Yep. And yep. then you're in, it's more of an issue of having to invest the draft capital in Devin Williams than it is in Josh Hader.
0: Yep, I think that's a great way to put it. So we'll move on. Liam Hendricks, our number one absolute badass. Uh, number two in this division, based on on alphabetical orders, James Karinjak, But I also think that's number two in terms of quality as well. Um, looking like he's going to have the job there in Cleveland, get the real opportunity to to be their guy because you know Brad Hand's gone, and they have some capable players behind him. But only if he fails. Like it's Karen Chak's opportunity with Nick Whitgreen and Emmanuel Clase kind of on the periphery there if things don't go well. I happen to think things will go well. You know, he put up some obscene, like NSFW strikeout numbers in the minors ahead of his uh ahead of his call-up in 2019, where in 10 innings at AA, he literally struck out two-thirds of the batters he faced, literally had a 67% strikeout rate. And then he goes to AAA and strikes that strikes out 54%. Like that's filthy. Oh, by the way, he had three innings. It was only three innings at rookie ball, but he did strike out 73% there. So, I mean, it was hilarious. The kind of strikeouts that he was putting up that season. He came up for just five innings in the majors, put up 36% strikeout, right? Had a a, quote unquote full season last year. Obviously it was very small still, but 27 innings with a 49% strikeout rate. So you know damn well that you're getting strikeouts here, and as far as the the small sample that we've seen in the majors of 32 and a third innings, the only issue is a little bit of of uh, walk issue that kind of comes with the territory of being this nasty. But he's impossible to hit, tons of swing and miss, uh, home runs do not exist against him. So if you could deal with maybe a little bit of maybe a little bit of whip potential. Pain. And I, I want to say maybe because he's so hard to hit that the walks uh, are only kind of balancing things out as opposed to making it a bad whip. So if you can deal with maybe a little whip pain, I think you got a stud here as well. I, I have him pretty close. He's he's right in that second tier there. Um, I have my first five guys that I trust, but then he's in that next group of three or four that I still really like if I want to go uh, premium closer there for, with James Karinchak. Do you like the Cleveland closer to be a stud this year?
1: I'm very unsure. I'm okay. not as confident that he is the guy in Cleveland. So uh, I think that we could see Cleveland decide to uh, play kind of play the arbitration game with their bullpen, maybe mix and match a little bit, or even use Karin Cech in just more high leverage situations that don't always end up being in the ninth. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so I have, while he is kind of in that, I don't know, I I call it, I guess my third tier of closers. Um, he's, he's a guy that I've just, I'm not getting at all. Um, and I have been getting Nick Nick Whitgren late because I do think that Whitgren will get some saves. Um, and I think there's a chance that they could go with the almost 30 year old, which you know won't have to worry about paying him much uh, with those saves, as opposed to the twenty-five year old who would ratchet up his arbitration numbers when arbitration comes for him. So, I'm I'm very unsure about this situation. Uh, I like the skills. I, I I completely agree that he could be a stud reliever. I just worry about like you know he's he's a guy with what one career save at the major league level. And I know part of a lot of that has to do with, you know, them having hand last year, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm I'm not completely sold on the role. And for that reason, I don't want to pay the price that he's currently going at, which is the 33rd pitcher off the board, uh, the fifth reliever off the board uh, in front of guys. I feel much more comfortable about their role on their team.
0: Okay, you know, listen. We talked all off season about how closer is just wide open after a handful of guys, and I, I grant that. Like I said, he's in that in that next group there that does have some questions in it already. But I just think the talent is so strong, and you know, Nick Whitgren doesn't have a bunch of saves on his ledger to the yeah. point where I'm like, yeah. he, he's super threatening there. So I, I'm pro, I'm open to, to handcuffing to protect myself.
1: I think but I really
0: think I really think Karen Chak has has the chops and I think he's going to be the closer on a pretty decent the- team, by the way. I I, I don't think Cleveland's uh, I know they had a bad offseason because, you know, they they refuse to pay their studs and they're they're super cheap and lame. But I still think this is a decent club that can be 500 or above. So I think there's plenty of saves to be had too, just based on the core talent that they have. Um, you know, handful of quality hitters and then still the excellent pitching that I think will keep Karen check in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the 30 plus saves range too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the skills. Um, you know, he, he could have some whip issues like you mentioned uh, because the walk rate uh, can be a little bit out of control, but he doesn't give up home runs. Uh, mm-hmm. So the walks don't hurt him as much as maybe a guy who, who struggles with the homers. Uh, I like him from a, from a skills perspective. And mm-hmm. if I, did end up with him, which, like I said, I probably won't, I would tie Nick Whitgren. I'd move Whitgren up a few rounds at the end of my draft just to make sure I got him. In the same way that, like, Shelly and I drafted Brad Hand uh, in, like, the seventh, sixth or seventh round.
0: Who'd you pair him with there? Who's your secondary in Washington?
1: We went with Rainey, and I'm not... Okay,
0: that's where I'd have gone.
1: I don't know if that is necessarily... The guy, because it could be Hudson. Um, I know
0: we're abandoning our boy Daniel Hudson last year, who we, we were very which, big on.
1: But the thing is, like, I know, like, Brad Hand is the guy, right? And so, yes. and what, what, uh, uh blanking on the, the manager's name, um, Davy, uh, David Martinez. Martinez. I want to say Johnson for some reason, but, uh, David Martinez, like, no, in spite of the fact that Hudson was awful last year, they stuck with him, like, through the end of the season.
0: Yep. So, and, and I know, yeah. I think it's fair to kind of un- acknowledge at least that he is still there and he could he could still get some opportunities. But I agree with you; I'd have gone hand rainy myself.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's what that's what we did. But uh, so yeah, Kurncheck. I I I'm not gonna beat up people necessarily for taking him, but I think if you do take him, you need to prioritize handcuffing Whitgren to him.
0: And and they've made it clear that Whitgren is the handcuff; they're not Emmanuel Classe, who's mm-hmm. returning from uh, I believe both. An injury is a and suspension. Play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's move to my Tigers and let's be brief here because it's vomit worthy. <laughs> it's very bad. And you know what? They're 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 following the mold of a rebuilding team where the last piece to come together is the bullpen because it's still a mess. There's a couple guys in there that are interesting, but uh, Gregory Soto. You know, being among them, he's a lefty. It doesn't look like he's even getting the job. I think right now, I, I think Hinch has been doing the whole you know non-committal type of thing, and I get it because why would you commit to any of these guys? But Brian Garcia seems to be kind of the front runner, and his his strikeout-to-walk ratio uh, or strikeout-minus-walk rate last year was two percent. Mm. Is, is that bad? And there's never any way that that's good. Like Even if you had a 30% strikeout rate, that would, of course, mean you have a 28% walk rate. But it happened to be on the other end where it was a comically bad strikeout rate and and a, a still poor walk rate. So it was 13% strikeouts, 11% walks. That's horrendous. And even in his six and two-thirds the year before, he was at 6%. So there aren't skills here that make you feel... Excited that 166 ERA is completely fraudulent. He had a 562 Sierra. He should almost get a medal for putting up a sub two ERA in those 22 innings last year, given how poor those skills were. He was aided by a 257 BABIP and the fact that he didn't give up a single homer. If I'm drafting anybody here, it's like a, a dart throw super late on Soto or Buck Farmer. I'm not touching Garcia. I think the Jose or the Joe Jimenez experiment is is over but i just don't see any reason to get into the tigers bullpen all right I'm, here
1: yeah i'm not gonna get into the tigers bullpen except for in draft and hold so 50 <laughs> rounds or ale only yeah. um i i will throw a little uh, we'll push back a little bit on joe jimenez Jimenez has I proven right. I, I see his skills here I yeah see he's proven he can be the guy and yes he 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 was awful to start the season
0: that's the Tigers bias shining through of where you mm-hmm. hate your team's reliever uh because you're you're super biased toward it whereas somebody with fresh eyes can kind of at least see the talent yeah. that he has
1: and we know that there is talent there his last 12 outings um from let's see September 4th uh through the end of the year uh he had a three era he did not uh, allow a single walk 11 strikeouts that's
0: that's encouraging and he had a six percent walk rate last year joey yeah. menace did so, so that is encouraging and he is only 26 mm-hmm. so you're right i shouldn't i shouldn't throw him out completely And he would
1: have if he became the closer again and was good
0: he'd have the most trade value also true yep yep so, because there's they don't necessarily, if he did emerge, like you're saying, they wouldn't necessarily have to keep him for that next great team. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, that's the last piece that you, you put together is the bullpen. They could trade him and still kind of, because I think, you know, as their starting pit, as their pitching prospects develop, they're not all going to end up being their peak uh, of starter. Some of them are going to funnel into the bullpen. Maybe Tariq Skubal is the closer, maybe uh, an Alex Fideau or Franklin Perez, or even, you know, it, It could be like a Matt Manning. Obviously, I have high hopes for Manning and Mize uh, as starters, but there's a lot of avenues that they could go. So, yeah, if Jimenez popped off this year, they could flip him and probably get something substantial uh, because he would still have team control beyond this year. So, yeah, you name the leagues. 50-round draft and hold the nail. Only only leagues you should be looking at Tigers closers. I think that's enough time on the Tigers. Let's go to Casey. Casey right now has a... Uh, return veteran somebody that they've had before who's back again and it's Greg Holland and Greg Holland if you haven't if you haven't had him on a team you might only know him on the periphery recently and and kind of still be stuck in 8 2018 2019 when he wasn't very good he was excellent last year 28 in the third innings with KC 28% strikeout 6% walk that's the really intriguing thing to me we've never seen that kind of walk rate with uh with Greg Holland even at his best he was 7 8% this is down to 6%. Uh, strikeout's looking really good. Swing and miss. Home run rate has always been good, except for one spike year in 2019. And so he got that back on track. He was badass. He is 35, though. And you got Josh Stomont there kind of breathing down his neck. Stomont and Barlow popped off last year as, as kind of the next guys. What I could see is like Holland pitch until June and get traded, and then one of those guys emerges. So I'm still drafting Holland as their closer and maybe Stomont in 50-round draft and hold or AL only. I don't think I'm going to – I don't i do not think I see him ripping the job away from Holland at the beginning of the year, personally.
1: I mean, I don't think he could necessarily rip the job away, but Holland is 35. He's had a you know history of injuries. So our last pick in that tag team uh, league was Stomont. Uh, That's
0: fine. I have no problem with that, as and a, as he may a last end point. up
1: being our first drop, but he also could rack up some gaudy strikeout numbers in the meantime. It that's the thing; he you could know?
0: be one of those ratio uh, ratio guys with a ton of ton of strikeouts, even if he's not getting anything but like the incidental save here and there. And then, yeah. like I said, summertime comes along; Josh Stillmont could be the guy if they flip Greg Holland, mm-hmm. as they probably should if, if he continues to pitch yeah. as well as he did this year. So, you know, I, and I'm fine with that. And you do favor Stomont over Barlow, right? Because they yeah. both they both emerged last year, but I I, I lean towards Stomont personally. Yeah, I mean, Stelman, uh He needs to get those walks in order, though, because Barlow does. does have a substantially better walk rate. So maybe it's closer than it we're be. letting out. But Barlow's home runs are a little bit higher, and that's the last thing a manager wants out of his closer is a little bit of a home run issue.
1: But if you're part of the don't pay for saves contingent, Greg Holland should be the guy you're targeting. And even if you're not, he should be your second or third closer target. Um, depending on, I have him pretty high. Uh, I'm, you should, he's locked into the role and unless he like gets injured or is truly awful for, you know, because he is 35. So the skills could just evaporate. Sure. um, Yep. You know, uh, he's i mean they're gonna be better than they were
0: uh, I, agree. I think they're kind of sneaky to be honest
1: i do too uh like i definitely think they need a little bit of like miami marlins luck from last year. exactly
0: exactly um, but they're sneaky to be like an 80 something like in a low 80s win team i, I believe that yeah. offense really lines up one to seven pretty well and then it's michael a. taylor and Nicky lopez who are kind of Eh. But but one to seven, it's Merrifield, Benintendi, Perez, Carlos Santana, Soler, Mondesi, Dozier, who signed a, a an extension. Congrats to him. And then they have a capable starter every day with Duffy, Keller, Minor, Singer, Bubich, and then the bullpen like isn't just Holland. They got Stolman, Barlow, Kyle Zimmer. By the way, Mm -hmm. stayed healthy last year and did some things. They brought back Wade Davis. They're really trying to now. Kelvin Herrera retired, so they can't get the H D (laughs) H completely back together. But I like that they brought Wade Davis back too. And then, as far as their starters go, Jacob Junis is their sixth, and he's a very capable major league starter. You know, sometimes we have that fantasy. Bend to things where we where we forget that a guy like is just good for major league baseball as opposed to worrying about his fantasy value. Like I don't love Junis in fantasy, but as far as going out and eating up five six innings every fifth day, he can absolutely do that at the major league level um, if he gets those home runs in check because they were nasty last year. And he could be one of
1: those guys that you know, obviously, completely different skill set than Tyler Molly. But like we were talking about Tyler Molly, you know, beginning last year where he's the follower. You know. Some of these guys that they don't want going deep. Maybe they don't want Mike minor going deep and miners a lefty. They bring in the righty Junis and Judas is the one who ends up with a win.
0: I think it'd be even more perfect for Bubic, who's 24 and, and popped mm-hmm. off last year coming up off the, uh, I think he had only pitched at high a and he held his own. He would, he did well, but if they want to go, you know, four or five innings early in the year with him and let Junis get two, three innings off of that, that could be some sneaky dubs there. And if you limit his, his times through for Junis, maybe that home run issue starts to tamp down a little bit. So that's a good call out as well. But yeah, Holland, as KC's closer, we really like him. Let's finish with Minnesota's. Now, I like both of these guys, and if either of them had the gig, they'd be pretty high for me. But the fact is, is that Minnesota and Rocco Baldelli is very open to playing the matchups, and they have the righty-lefty combo to do it. They brought in Alex Colome with incumbent Taylor Rogers. And I think it's going to be a mess again for fantasy. It's going to be good for them because they have options. And even Tyler Duffy is lurking there coming off a mm-hmm. great season. So they have three capable guys who could do the job, which is hell for fantasy. <laughs> but they're, they're, it's going to be good for them, I think. So how are you playing this uh, this Minnesota bullpen in, in your drafts, if, if you're even touching it?
1: I'm kind of staying away from it now, which is a huge bummer because we've talked about you know, previously, that I love Alex Colomay. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm a big Alex Colomay guy. I feel like he is perpetually underrated uh, in mm-hmm. fantasy that people, like, go, oh, well, he's going to lose the job this year. He's going to lose... The-, and he just never loses a job because he's always been good in spite of the underlying metrics and what the projections say on him. That being said, like, somebody... I can't, can't remember who said it on Potapalooza this weekend... Uh, But somebody said, like, they are going with, like, the Tampa... It looks like they're going to go with the Tampa Bay approach, where there's going to be three guys uh, that can can get saves. And if Hansel Robles can turn back into what he was...
0: Yeah, he's there, too. He's there, too.
1: And now you're talking about uh, nobody getting more than 15 say a yeah a but a bunch
0: of uh, a bunch of nine to 15 mm-hmm. totals for four different guys yeah and like i said hell for fantasy but really good for minnesota because they keep teams guessing in the ninth there So the, um, you know
1: the guy ahead, that makes a lot of sense for me is rogers because he's the only lefty out of that group yep. so uh and supposedly he's looked really really good in spring this year uh, and uh, and people, are, I mean, people are like raving that he looks like the 2019 version of himself.
0: And um, his price has sunk, and that's yeah. who I'm drafting too. I'm I'm with you on the Taylor Rogers call out because of this of this cluttered bullpen and the fact that people are moving away from him a bit. And I, I understand why. By the way, we just outlined why, but that creates a buying opportunity. And if he's your second or third guy, I think that works, especially as your third. You have two guys, you know, say you got, uh, say you, you pay up, you get Hendricks, and then you get Trevor Rosenthal, and then Rogers. you got to feel really good about your save situation, no?
1: I feel great about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be absolutely stoked for it. I mean, that's still, I mean, he's still going, like, last two weeks in online championships, he's still going 167, and so that's okay. three relievers. That's a little higher than I thought. Yeah, in the top 175. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Very, very difficult. So he's
0: your number two then. He's your number two, unless yeah. you're really... That, okay, that would be really paying up in that scenario. Yeah. But, but I'm not averse to that, by the way. Like I said, I I am open to paying for saves if I feel like I'm getting that
1: If you feel stability. like you can you know, really identify starting pitchers late, um, and so you want to load up on some of the save guys, I mean, you can even do... I mean, they're going... You know, within twenty picks of each other, twenty-five picks of each other. Like you could just double tap Colum a and Rogers, and likely feel like you're getting the bulk of the saves. I just don't know that that is something I'm gonna do. I have, uh, you know, a number of shares of Colomay from when his price really, really dropped early in, in draft season, and so before that, he had a team. Yeah, and I think I have a share of Rogers already. Like that'll probably be it for me because I think I would much rather just pay up a little bit more and end up with a guy like brad hand or a guy like rosenthal or you know and and then go after guys i feel more comfortable about their situations later
0: yeah i think that's completely fair and uh with with these bullpens that are wide open i don't think if you're a multi-league like you and i are i don't think you want to be getting into them that much because then you're just creating that headache across multiple leagues so i'm, I'm with you there like you Don't get you your
1: feel more comfortable about like instead of pairing uh you know those two twins guys because like we said it might not just be those two guys <laughs> exactly like, i'd rather pair anthony bass at 238 and then yimmy garcia um at Three twenty six.
0: Yeah, because the draft capital is so much less, yeah. and obviously the Marlins are a worse team and everything. But if you're kind of, especially because if Bass can hold it, he's going to get twenty five, right? I think that they're, they're kind of open to kind of letting him have have that gig there. So I, I feel you, and that's why on those split jobs when both guys are good like Rogers and Colome, and they are a bit expensive, I, I, I maybe do it in one league, but I it's not my target across every league. So, that, that yeah, that's where I come out there. Colomay and Rodgers going very close in drafts. I just did an uh, online championship run of ADP since February 15th, and you had mentioned that Rodgers is still sitting there at uh, 164, and Colomay was right above him at 143. And there was only one pitcher in between them, and it was Rafael Montero, who we'll talk about on Thursday when we talk about the AL West closers. But, uh, Justin, that's going to wrap it up for us. I did Let's get, get Anthony Rendon. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Did you get your pick? So you I got did. Rendon. I love that. Yeah. I, I, dude, getting him in the fourth round. He is chronically in underrated. The, in the
1: third round, but yeah. Um, or third
0: good. round, excuse me. Yeah. Um. He's 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 gonna go fourth round in my draft. By the way, I think that's why I, why I was saying that because he's not that's gone insane. yet. I know, dude. He, he always. He he just he stays underrated, and no matter how much people talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Talk about how underrated he is, it doesn't change. (laughs) People just continue to not give Rendon the love that he deserves. But you know what? More for us. So we love that. But anyway, I gotta get going. Great talking with you. Talk to you on Thursday.